0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Jesus, Dietrich, and me. This is episode number 57, and I am one of the hosts. My name is Tyler Croncray. I get to serve as one of the associate pastors at Family of God Lutheran Church. And with me today, as they are every Wednesday, is uh, Pastor Jim Hill. He is our senior pastor at Family of God. And, of course, we have our esteemed vicar, uh, <laughs> Nick. And he is, uh, he's been with us for the last couple of episodes, going to be with us for the next year. And we have been going through a book by H. Galen Barker, and that was entitled The Cross of Reality. And last week, I think we really did a good job, a very thorough... how would you describe that, Pastor Jim? Would you say that's a thorough uh, summarization? Expose, expose. Yes. Uh, uh, I
1: wouldn't say it was complete. I mean, we could have got like four more episodes. We'd still yes. be talking about
0: it. Yes, that is true of the theology of glory, and that's something that probably uh, we're all familiar with. And actually, uh, when when we posted this episode, I posed a question. I actually said, "Have have you ever heard of the theology of glory?" and And what is, like, what are your opinions of the theology of glory? And essentially, the theology of glory is, uh, as Pastor Jim put this very astutely before uh, we begin recording, essentially the theology of glory is what can God do for me? And what we're going to be comparing that to today is the theology of the cross, which is what has God done for me, uh, which is essentially revealing himself, the entirety of himself, everything that he wants us to know about himself at the cross, where Christ is crucified for mm-hmm. me and for or, or you. Ev- even to
1: say, um, God is unknowable except at the foot of the cross. Right,
0: which is exactly what Luther would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't know, you can't know God. You can't know Jesus apart from the crucifixion. So,
1: so I would suggest a new question. Mm-hmm. Um, the question would be for you to evaluate. Uh, the audience to evaluate. um,
0: Which is is up, by the way, which is awesome. I love that.
1: Am I infected by the theology of glory? I suspect that many are infected and don't realize that they're infected with this particular brand of false teaching. Mm -hmm. So So as you listen, just pay attention because I think – basically American Protestantism Mm -hmm. which may or may not include Lutheranism is deeply infected with the theology of glory. Yeah
0: I would actually say that um, if you go to a congregation well what was Ron Deacon Ron describing last night when he went to Northridge? Uh, Northridge he's like I went in there there was no cross (laughs) there was no altar there was a stage there was and he went there for a Christian concert which was great and and people are certainly hearing the word of god there but he's like it just felt like it was lacking something so if you go to your congregation and you don't hear that jesus christ has been crucified for your sins and has risen for your justification declaring you to be righteous then you might be you might be in a uh, a church that preaches the theology of glory yeah. what's that whole uh the uh the uh, jeff foxworthy bit where he's like you might be
1: you might know that you're a. <laughs> right,
0: redneck. You yeah. that, right. You, if yeah. if this, this, and this. You might be in a church of the theology of glory if your church congregation doesn't have an altar or have a cross.
1: This is form over function, meaning they don't preach false doctrine because they have this particular facility. Correct. They have this facility because it, sorry, facilitates what they teach. Correct. And so. And One can have an auditorium church and actually preach um, legitimate, true mm-hmm. law and gospel, um, but that would be um, unique. Mm-hmm. It's not the facility; it's the preaching, and the preaching. Like I said again, the the form of the church follows the the the, the theology of glory kind of of uh, preaching.
0: Yeah, I'll never forget. I went to a, I went to a church when I was in college, and I was dating a girl, and we went there to this church, and in, in, uh, at a, in her hometown, she invited me to go to church with her. And I had already at the time had dis- decided that I wanted to fulfill the God's calling on my life to be a pastor, and so I went there and I was talking with her dad about the the church, and he's like, oh, he goes, dude. You're gonna love this congreg- this church this congregation. I said why? <laughs> and he goes, man. Every time that we go in there, it's like you're at a freaking rock concert. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right. And then, and sure enough, that was the bulk, the majority of the of the church going experience was. We're here to make sure that you enjoy your experience here. We're here to make sure that you. Are aesthetically pleased by the lights, by the smoke, by the the sound. Um, you know, the preaching is eh, whatever. Uh, you know, we, you're going to hear a message about a text, but we really want you to be engaged with the music and make sure you have that ambient noise behind the prayer, so that did you have a
1: good time?
0: I had a good time because I was with the girl well, I was dating. I didn't mean right. that as a specific <laughs> question, but yeah
1: so what I'm going to tell you what they taught me and then I'm going to ask you for a reflection Vicar Nick I remember they telling me American Protestantism at Concordia Fort Wayne the real one the real Concordia that (laughs) modern Protestantism still draws its roots from Methodist camp meetings let's sing three or four songs get them all emotionally hyped up then let's hit them with the gospel let's have an altar call and then that's it That's it. There's no sacramental uh, basis to their worship at all. It's prepare them to receive, get them hyped, then hit them, and then call them forward, and then start counting souls. (laughs) We saved 16 souls today, or 160, or 1,600 or 16,000. So what have they told you?
2: We haven't necessarily – well, we've been taught about the old Methodist camps, like you said, Mm -hmm. um, and we haven't been – Specifically taught that most Protestant denominations are, you know, follow that suit. But with my own experience and what I've seen is that they do. It's very emotional.
1: Yeah, the typical format for the auditorium churches is 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes of worship, Mm -hmm. which is worship music, not worship. Then 30, 45, 50, 50, 60 minutes of sermon. Then maybe an altar call, and then we're done.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I remember uh-huh. being—I remember being at um, you know various, I mean, various youth group events. Whether I mean, events that I attended as as a as somebody that was in in youth group, and um, even when I was on internship uh, in my senior year of college, my second senior year of college, <laughs> and uh, and you go on these mission trips, and they have these nights of worship. And I remember specifically when I was on internship, and we, we were in West Virginia for a mission trip, and it was it was great. It was great to connect with a lot of these kids, and a lot of these kids really came face to face with a lot of demons that they were battling. But I won't. I'll never forget that I had a conversation with one of the one of one of the young men that was really struggling with the the final night of worship because it had been it had been told to him that. The night before we left to go home, this was what he called quote unquote cry night. This was the night that you were supposed to sob. This is the night that you were supposed to release all of your emotions. The night that you were supposed to that you were supposed to give everything to Jesus and let Jesus come into your life and completely overtake you to the point where you feel nothing but overwhelming emotion that you are left with nothing but tears and he wasn't feeling that and he felt like there was something wrong with him because he's looking around at all these other people all these other students that are his age and they're talking with mentors they're talking with with pastors and they're confessing things and they're crying and and that's that's all fine and dandy and that's certainly is part of I mean, I'm not going to say that somebody that goes and and, and cries while they're confessing that that's wrong, but I think there is something wrong when that's the expectation, that the the emotion, when the emotion that you are quote-unquote supposed to feel when you confess, or you're supposed to feel because you've gone to the altar and you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you're supposed to just, that's the reaction, is that you're overwhelmed with emotion and that you're sad or that you are you can't help but cry. And he he genuinely felt that there was something wrong with him because he wasn't crying and that he didn't feel the things that other, everyone else felt. And I, and I asked him, I said, did you serve Jesus on this trip? He said, I feel like I did. I think I did. I said, did you serve your neighbor? Yes. Okay, great. You served Christ. I said, have you felt like your faith has grown in these opportunities that you've been here? Yes. Have you grown your relationships with others, with people that you have... Gone to high school with yes, have you become open and on, more honest with your youth group leaders? Yes, I said great. I said that's that. Those are reasons to praise God for that. Do you do you feel like you are stronger in your faith because of coming on this this mission trip? Which, by the way, I'd argue that's the reason for a uh, a mission trip is not for the other people. It's actually for you. But do you feel like you have grown in your faith? Yes, great. Then. That's awesome. And then God has done what he wants to do in in that mission trip for you. There is no need to feel like you have to have this extra...
1: There's a paradigm, big word, but there's yes. a paradigm. This is what's expected of you, and if you don't match it, right. something's wrong.
0: Yes, and and that's how he felt, and I felt so bad for him, and we just... We sat there. We talked and, and about a bunch of other things because I, I remember being in his, in his situation where I felt like you know okay well I've got you know this girl on my left and I got this guy on my right and they're both sobbing at the national youth gathering and I'm like what are you guys doing <laughs> thinking of myself what are you guys doing like it's just, this is this is silly and, and it, so we were able to bond over that and um, but yes this theology of glory is like this expectation of worship is supposed to be emotional. Mm-hmm. And it can certainly be emotional. You see this throughout the scriptures, but that's not that's not the norm. Well, right? another
1: theology of glory idea is, and maybe they've talked to you about this. I realize there's like this huge gap of like 15 years between <laughs> you and I in the seminary. Yeah, but if I can only bring my worship to this certain pitch, this, I'm going to say, fever pitch, then God will respond to me and come down god will descend to my place of worship or our place of worship in response to the intensity of my emotions and wow that's mm-hmm. like wrong <laughs>
0: yes. if i say the if i say the right prayer if i have the right emotion yeah. then i can then jesus will come to me
1: the right intensity you know got yes. and and there's a drive within those churches like we're not supposed to be talking about them that much there's always got to be bigger, better, deeper. You know, last week's emotional pitch is not good enough. We got to raise it to the next level. We're always looking for the next level to bring our people to the point where God will take notice yes. of them. Wow! I say, theology of the cross. He already took notice of you. Uh-huh. He died for you. Yes. So let's transition.
0: So do you want to quickly re- go through? Um, The just yeah just quickly hit Nick a couple of the points that we mentioned last week, um, just in case there are a couple people that this is their first episode and and what does the theology
2: of glory look like?
0: Yeah, just hit hit a couple of those quick points from that uh, that Heidel
2: blog episode that we hit last week. Yeah, we talked about how it can be uh, rationalistic, how it's um, you know, we have to put God in our own box instead of submitting ourselves to God and His Word and His truth. It's more about us and what we can rationalize about God um, a lot of what the theology of glory ends up looking like is it looks like moralism you know what can I do um, to earn God's favor or earn um, whatever It's a, focuses uh, on yourself and not what God has done for you but what can I do and what can God give me Well, else we talked about uh, triumphalism which was new to me um last week
1: we talked about the churches that are like Triumph Church Con- Oh yeah, Conqueror's Church what were some of the other names they're all over Southwest Detroit Victory Church it's all about living in the future victory that Christ has achieved and not in the reality of wow we're sinners and saints how do I deal with the fact that I don't measure up to who I think I should be let alone who God thinks I should be you know that's the problem with triumphalism. Right, right. That was the
2: one where you asked me the question of what about, you know, Christians around the world, they're being persecuted. Would they be a the triumphalist? Yeah, Christian? that no, they doesn't wouldn't. come naturally in the third world, right? Right, right, because being a Christian isn't about living your best life here. Right, right now.
1: the theology of the cross Believe comes naturally in the third world. Right. It's right. only the, uh, what's that, elite and privileged Americans who seem to respond to this theology of glory. Yes. Yes. So I'll give you an idea. It says here on page, whatever it says here. I've got my glasses. Eighty-three. It says Luther. For that reason, he was averse to the traditional image of a heavenly ladder upon which the soul climbs on its mystical upward journey to union with God. There's a good news episode, uh, uh, magazine that has that actually on its cover, the mystical ladder where you're struggling to get to God the devils are below you trying to pull you off and god mm-hmm. is sitting at the top of the ladder with his arms folded looking benignly yeah. at you saying i sure hope you make it yeah um, that's a, that was a medieval idea yeah
0: that's you're talking about like jacob's ladder right yeah
1: Yeah, where like
0: yeah that, that story it's and, on you yeah that story in genesis where uh where jacob has his has, has that dream or that vision where he's where there's the ladder and the and then Jesus talks about this again, where he talks about the angels ascending and descending, and um, but that idea where it says that when it says God is standing above, um, which is yeah, translated yeah. right, which is translated <laughs> as above in in a lot of in a lot of um, Bibles, what that what that word actually means, it doesn't mean above, it actually means next to, and and that's really uh, that gets that gets stepped side by side uh, or gets that doesn't get translated the proper way a lot of times and where you, you're forced to have this idea of God looking at you as you try to ascend the ladder. And the truth of the matter for us is that he descended the ladder to us. We can't ascend we can't the ascend In fact, the there isn't even right, a ladder. ladder. Right, there's yeah. not a ladder for us to climb, right? Yeah. Yet.
1: So this is for you, Ron. I'm going to tell a story I might have told before, it's Army around. story. Remember this, where... All the new young captains, many of them built like Nick, had to run two miles, mm-hmm. and some of them couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Remember that story?
0: I do remember that story.
1: And uh, in this actual event, some men finished their race, sat at the finish line, uh, either impassively or, or uh, encouraging the people to run who hadn't made it yet. It was like 16 minutes and two miles, two miles, 16 minutes. Others ran down the sidelines and cheered on the ones that were uh, struggling, encouraging them, right? Ran a half mile down. Come on, you can make it, you can make it. And a third group actually ran down and got to the left and right and behind Mm -hmm. the men who were struggling, grabbed them by the left arm, right arm, and sometimes by the belt, (laughs) and made sure they crossed the uh, finish line um yeah of course the, the interesting people who are in the military will probably grasp this but the drill sergeant should have eliminated every one of them didn't do it on your own sorry you're gone however they turned a blind eye to this because uh the team is more important than the individuals so they watch the team gather around the guys who are failing and may and watch them make sure they cross the line and uh, they put pass okay we can't cross the line we need the Holy Spirit to grab us left and right and by our belt from behind and maybe even pick us up. Because yeah, I saw they, a couple who were literally the, picked us. up and carried across the line. Yeah, they throw uh, us in the wheelbarrow and carry us yeah. across. Um, but not impassively. The medieval picture is God is impassive. I think the reality is God is active. Um, like Like he says, if we can't do it, we're in the wheelbarrow being pushed. Right. But we're getting across the line, and yes. so
0: and that's really—I mean, ultimately—that's really where um, where we're kind of hoping that this discussion ends up leading us is you know with the theology of the cross, where you know we, Americans today and a lot of other worldly religions today, especially when it comes to Christianity, you know, the the expectation is that God's going to come here and He's going to blow you away. He's going to. It's going to be this glorious revelation where you can't believe what you just saw. But the reality is is that that's not really how it happens. And the way that God reveals himself to us is not through...
1: If you want to say it like this, I'm going to... It's like you're dead on the two-mile course, and God comes yes. and picks up your dead, stinking yes. body and, yes. and which brings is, you
0: across. Which is exactly what our catechism teaches us. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what the, what Scripture teaches us, that we are yeah. dead in our sin. And when you are dead—I use this as an illustration once in a, in a sermon— uh, where I, I stepped out of the pulpit and I called up the uh, the I was guest preaching and I I said to Pastor Steve I said Steve will you come up here for a minute and He's like what are you <laughs> He's like what are you doing <laughs> in the middle of the sermon I said come here for a second I said now I'm gonna throw this ball to you and and I'm, I I don't I don't want you to do anything because you're dead in your sin so this ball represents your salvation but you're dead in your sin so. You're not allowed to move.
2: You can't even catch it. Right.
0: So I throw this ball to him and it hits him it hits him in the chest and just drops to the ground and he's and I'm like So if you are dead and you cannot catch this salvation because you are dead then how on earth this is this is this is what this is what Amer- American Christianity teaches you that you have the capacity on your own to catch the salvation that you are you it's like it's like you're you're close to d- to being dead, but you're not quite there yet. Whereas the theology of cro- of the cross teaches you that and tells us that that we are completely unable to receive, to catch, however you want to word it. There's no way for us to accept.
1: We're not even participating.
0: Right? No, you're right. We're not. We're we're on the sidelines. We're we're off. We're off underneath the tunnel. We're not even close to the game. We're off under the tunnel taking a pee break. We're not even close to the game. Sorry. So Luther says here,
1: <laughs> as I roll my eyes, uh, Luther says here, right after the heavenly ladder thing, he said, they quote Luther, for him, Luther, there is no special virtue, again, page 83, no special virtue, deed, or experience, or knowledge to which a pious person could ever climb to God. Correct. Not possible. Right. There so is no God us. must climb to Climb down to to us, yeah.
0: Because we are because we are so weak. Sin has crippled us to the point where we are quadriplegics, and if a quadriplegic cannot climb a ladder,
1: those are good. I'm sorry, those are good word pictures. Except it's more than that. A quadriplegic can't. I think what we're dealing with is won't. True. In our natures, we we won't. won't.
0: Yeah. So, like you, yeah. So it's, we can't.
1: But we even if we yeah. could, we wouldn't.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, we we certainly. Uh, yeah, it's one of those yes and things, right? That's why this this simile, right? We're simultaneously saints and sinners, right? We have the ability, allegedly, theory. In yeah. theory, we have the ability to do these things, right? God gives us the laws. Here's the six hundred and three or six hundred and thirteen, however many laws that who you believe that's on. Yeah. How many of our laws that you have to keep? Just keep these, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Oh, but uh, we didn't do those those things. Oh, we went off and we made a golden calf, or oh, we we took our sister as our own wife or yeah. all these things. We don't get to say things. we didn't know. Right, we don't get you,
1: to say, oh, if only I had known. We know and we choose. you did know and you chose not to obey. Yeah. And so that's, that's called rebellion or defiance. Correct.
0: And that's naturally who we are as Christians. And that's why rather than – and God, know, God knows that, which is why rather than say, hey, I want you to come up to me I'm going to descend down to you, which is why that word "picture" in Genesis,
1: kind of Kinda like with or without your permission, right? Coming to rescue you, right? Right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, that's why. That's why I always get. That's why I always get frustrated when people are like, "Well, did you ask Jesus to come into your heart? Uh, he didn't. He didn't. He doesn't need your permission. He doesn't need your permission to forgive your sins. He doesn't need your permission to come into your heart. He doesn't need your per- permission to do any of these things. He does it anyway." Without your consent, without he changes your life, without your consent, without your help, without anything that you did, because he knows <laughs> that if he gave any of the responsibility to you, you'd screw it up.
1: Yes. Which is why willfully, he screw it
0: willfully up, not screw accidentally it up. Screw it up. Right? It's, you're right. It's not even an accident. This is this is something that we do because we want to do that. We want to screw it up. And also, humans are naturally drawn to the law, so we're not naturally drawn to grace. So when it comes down to how do you, how are you saved? Well, we talked about that. We hit this last week, real, real briefly. How do most Christians, if you were to survey them, how would they say that they are saved? They'll tell you. I'm a good person. I go to church. Yep. I tithe. I do all the things that I'm supposed to do. Before or after taxes, do you tithe? <laughs> okay, <Right>. never mind. <laughs> right, exactly. My, I, I, I tax my net, not my gross or yep. my, or however yep. that goes. Um,
1: but isn't God pleased with me? Right, right, right. So you we, must love me more than you. I tithe. I mean, there, there's a reason why Scripture tells us that we are by
0: nature enemies to God. Yeah. And it's because we choose to be enemies to God. It's okay. not accidental. So he says on page humans eight, h- humans suck. Like that's where it gets. That's essentially what the, wow. the theology of the cross tells us is that humans stink.
1: And I think you and I can agree that he stinks, <laughs> <laughs> Nick or Nick. But yeah, we all stink, right? He says here on page eighty-four of this book, uh, and I didn't know this, so I'll be enlightened. I don't, I don't Ninety-five think you stink, theses, Nick. theses fifty-eight. Luther calls the theology of glory the deceiving theology. What is it deceptive about?
2: Makes you think you can uh, obtain salvation through your your own own will. Through your own works or will.
1: Me or me plus God, but I have some part to play in it, right? When in reality you don't. And he calls the theology of the cross the true theology. Um... What is the theology of the cross? I guess it's time to make that big move. What is the theology of the cross? In broadest terms, what is the theology of the cross? I cannot know God or my Savior except through the cross. It's only in the suffering and death of Christ that God reveals to me his true nature.
0: Well, Even, even more than that. His full you, nature. You can't, you can't know Christ. You can't know God. Through anything but the cross, you, 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 we might think that we know God apart from the cross. We might think that we know God because we feel good when we're in church. But you, you look don't like you're objecting to that. You don't. You don't know Christ. You don't know God apart from. You don't know the true God apart from. Okay,
1: Romans chapter one says all of us know God. Mm-hmm. No excuse. Right. There's no Everyone. excuse
0: for us not to know God because God has revealed, to, revealed himself to us partly through what. Through right. nature, right? Yeah. yeah, through creation, principally and through nature. Yeah.
1: But that is not a saving knowledge of God. So how do we know the saving knowledge of God? That that Creator God. How do we know that Creator God wants anything to do with us?
0: Blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news.
1: It's only through the theology of <laughs> the cross, right?
0: Yes, um, and those who are willing to preach it, right? Those faith comes through hearing. So you. So Jesus Jesus comes and he dies for us. But if no one tells you that that happens,
1: so at a certain church which we shall not name but Lutheran, some of That's us, right. one of us who is a pastor but not me, told the congregation that they were I my words not his, hopeless sinners and they laughed. Why would laughed. they laugh? Because they don't genuinely
0: believe that.
1: It's like well, actually, oh, I would say they thought you were a fool for saying it. But okay, but
0: that. But also, like, it's like. Yeah, pastor, we know we know we're sinners. Like we know that we have to acknowledge that we're you can't you can't see my. I wish that this is this is where I wish that we could like yeah. record on. YouTube. We know that
1: we are theoretically we, sinners. Go ahead.
0: Right. I was just say I wish we we're on YouTube because you can't see my my emotions like or you're his like, eyebrows yeah, pastor, going up and yeah, down. Yeah. Yeah, pastor, we know that we're supposed to say that we're sinners, and you're funny for saying that, and we'll we'll go along with it. We know that we're sinners. We'll agree with you ha, because ha, ha, ha. yeah, ha, 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 because we want to receive communion. We want to receive. The Lord's Supper, so we're going to say we're going to acknowledge that we're sinners, but in reality, we actually think that you're full of crap because you don't know that I tithe thousands of dollars a month to this congregation. You don't know
1: that all, I'm a good person. All the yeah, all the man.
0: mission work that I do, right? You don't know those things. So therefore, uh, for you to call me a sinner is actually quite egregious, and you're out of line. So I'm going to laugh at you because you don't know
1: all the good. I'm going to ask you to compare that experience to. And um, we kind of almost have a formula at Family of God. So when you start preaching the law, and you look in their eyes and say you're a sinner, what is the normal reaction? And not laughter. Heads for our, go for, for our folks. Yeah,
0: Family of God. Yeah, for our folks, you start preaching the law, and they their heads go down. And it's not because they think you're nuts; it's because they know you're right. Um, they 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 know. You, know you, you tell somebody that doing drugs is wrong. You tell somebody that. Consuming absurd amounts of alcohol is wrong. You tell somebody that that having
1: having absurd amount of sex outside of marriage is wrong. Well, let's just say having sex outside of marriage. I I don't think I want to with the absurd. Yes, uh-huh. you are absolutely correct. Yes,
0: and and that's one of those things that when we when we tell our people at family of God that they they really don't they're not going to challenge you on that. They're not going to they're not going to say, well, pastor. Let me tell you about the reasons why I do these. Why I do this stuff. Mm-hmm. They're going to go. Yes, you're right. And the fact that you have called me out on that, you're not the first one, <laughs> right? I, I I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've fallen short. And whatever God, whatever it is that God has expected of me, I failed. I failed. Yeah. And the issue that our folks have experienced is that nobody has told them that so, there's been a that there's the the penalty yeah. that so has the, required has been paid I'm, for. I'm
1: I'm headed for the contrast. The contrast with the unnamed suburban church. They don't <laughs> we should believe just say it at this point. I'm not going to cuz no, we'll we get neither. sued.
0: Maybe they listen.
1: They don't believe they're sinners and there's nothing you can say that will convince them. Correct. Right. You go to our people and the problem is convincing them that God loves them and forgives them, not that they're Sinners. They got that. You don't yeah, you know, three sentence into the law right. and they, Yeah, they're all going, Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: that's me. There's I would and you've I think this is actually might be influenced by what you have said to me in the past. There's two types of Christians in this world or two types of people in this world. There's people who say, Of course God died for me and there's people who say, Why would God die for me?
1: And I think that's really that often with a subtext of of course he died for the suburban people. Of right. course he died for the good people. Yes. Why would he die for me? Right. And that's that's I'm where that's
0: and that's where we that's where rubber hits the road for us because we've it's got people It's also our
1: joy because mm-hmm. you're right at the meat of the thing from the beginning. Pretty yeah. much from the beginning, right?
0: Yeah, and and to be able to tell them
1: that there's a God
0: that created you that also died for you that has forgiven you that has redeemed you and that has Conquered death for you, has risen from the grave for you, and once he ascended into heaven, he promises to come back for you. Like
1: not because you're a good citizen, no. a good Republican, because you've been vaccinated, right. because et cetera, because et you wear a mask
0: everywhere, right? right? That's not why he does that. He does it simply because of because of the loving kindness of God. Uh, the compassion, which is that weird that that fancy
1: Greek wow. word, we could start a new denomination, Nick. Yes, the Church of the Vaccinated. <laughs> God only died for those who respect the COVID what a, vaccine. What a great! I didn't say that. What a great cult. <laughs> but, um, but yeah,
0: it's it, it. There's there's no external circumstances where, where God that, that that impacts God's ability to to want to do anything for you. He dies for you whether whether you're vaccinated or not, whether you wear a mask or not, whether whether you vote voted for Joe Biden or not or voted for Trump or not or it, all of these all these sorry petty all these petty things that we argue about that doesn't matter to God. It matters to us for some stupid reason, but it doesn't matter to God. He still died for you. And and that's that's we lose that all the time. And and God doesn't care about those things. I mean, He does for to a certain degree, but He doesn't. That, that's not that doesn't impact His ability to love you. So if if you have a different a difference of opinion, if you voted differently, if you have even, and I, I I'm straining when I say this, but even if you have a difference of theology, heterodox, right? Not mm-hmm. heter, not uh, not straight up heresy, but heterodox he still loves you he still died for you and there's going to be people like that in the resurrection there's going to be vaccinated people in the resurrection yeah. <laughs> and unvaccinated people in the resurrection yeah. so, it's going to well, be great
1: I, I can't remember the name of the guy but he wrote four three volumes of on um, systematic theology lutheran that we Peeper. Oh, Peeper, yeah he uses this word serendipity those Ooh. people will by serendipity end up in heaven even though they're heterodox mm-hmm. I said okay I don't know if I would say that. I would say God's love is more expansive than we think. But yes, uh,
0: because, because I mean, we—I've I've stopped having these arguments with people because you're not going to convince somebody if people that. So, sorry, Calvin's going to be in the resurrection. Zwingli, you probably have a shame face on, but
1: okay, <laughs> right. well, that's my Lutheran opinion. Right. But
0: Zwingli probably going to be in the resurrection. Um, yeah, he'll be
1: over to Luther saying, yeah, I guess it was, it is. <laughs> right, right,
0: right, right, right. It, it's just one That's of those things where joke, it's, like, by the way. it's like they're going to be, yeah, like they're missing out in their earthly life. Like if you don't believe in the in the, in the the true presence of the Lord's Supper or the efficacy of baptism, like you're missing out on assurance now, right? Mm-hmm. And In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't, don't tell the seminary, don't tell the seminary, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, like, those kinds of things don't... They're not going to determine whether or not God loves you or has come to save you or not. Because he's died for all of that. Which is what the theology of the cross is. But, the theology of the cross also compels you and encourages you to call thing a thing what it is. Right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's sin or wrong, whatever you want to call it, because of the cross, you can call it what it is call a spade
1: a spade yeah so my my one of my examples for that i'll get us back to theology of the cross as i can second is that was my attempt (laughs) i was going to say yeah um yeah i'm not a receptionist as far as the lord's supper is concerned and if one day in heaven receptionist is someone who says it's only the body and blood within the context of Mm. Actually, issuing it to the the believers, but it's not the, so after so after at noon, it's yes, not <laughs>
0: after service. It's no longer so. Sorry,
1: Nick, when you when you commune that family of God after the park, um, you're not really receiving the body and blood yeah. of Jesus. Sorry, I am willing to stand before the throne of God one day and have Him look me in the eye and say, "Yeah, you took this as my body too seriously," and I'll say guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you mentioned that. Last I do week. that a it's lot. That's a good point. But it make. says yeah. here on page eighty-five. Uh, truth a lot. This is Luther. Heidelberg Confessions. Debates, rather. It is for this reason that true theology and recognition of God are in the crucified Christ. Yep. True theology. What is true theology? Theology means what? We're appealing.
0: appealing to our seminary.
1: Theologos. What is theology? What does that word mean? Only found in? In Christ crucified. Crucified. Yes, you
0: can't you cannot you it is impossible for us to have and to worship an uncrucified messiah. You can't have a messiah that's not crucified. Otherwise otherwise you you don't have a messiah. So that's why that's why that, that's where that gets important. The whole you, you can't you can't know God apart from the crucified God. You can't know a messiah apart from the cru- uncrucified or the crucified messiah. You can't have an uncrucified Christ. Christ is always crucified, which is why we've resolved to preach Christ crucified.
1: So Heidelberg Confession uh, debate again, Thesis 21. You know, thesis 21, we think the door of Wittenberg, but there are actually theses in his uh, Heidelberg Disputations, page 86. God can be found only in suffering and the cross. You
0: haven't that's a tough, wow.
1: huh? That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. But when we think about what is our life like, if our life as Christians is truly, as they say, cruciform, I am crucified with Christ. <laughs> see, I'm
0: at, then I'm look it's at, suddenly, go, ahead. Look, I'm go see, ahead. I'm looking at my arm right now, which literally says, I am crucified with Christ. That's, Your tattoo says yes, that, yeah. That's. <sighs> our lives are crucified with, as Christians, are crucified with Christ. Yeah. Not
1: mm-hmm. glorified, cruciformed. Yes. And so where in the New Testament oh boy, here comes the question for the Where does the New Testament tell us <laughs> that suffering is part of following Christ? For instance, Paul says, I share in the sufferings, in the sufferings of Christ. But there's other places, right? So there's multiple places
0: where it is talks it, about is that. Is it Peter? Is it Peter or is it Timothy? Or Paul right in Timothy rather? That says, "Like those, those who even desire to follow God Timothy, will be 2 Timothy. Timothy." Yeah, Second so Timothy. Paul Paul writes to Timothy and says, "Those who even desire to follow God are are going to be." Depending on the translations,
1: others just other translations that desire. Else oh, says attempt. Mm-hmm. So you don't even have to be successful. Yeah, you don't even have, to
0: have to truly believe in it. You step over the true. line and says, "Say yes. I'm going to
1: follow Christ." Here comes the hammer. Yes, that's what that verse says, and. Of course, I always like to say in sermons, if the hammer isn't falling on you, you need to evaluate your faith life. Yeah, well, you said, you've,
0: yeah, you've said that here. And, um, and I've really had to think about that, too, because you know, I, I've thought about you know, different things that I've heard in different podcasts and different readings and from other pastors you and things like that. call it a health check, usually. Yes. And it's one of those things where... Y- you don't. and We've mentioned this before because I don't want us to think that you know we're what's the what's the group of people that enjoy pain and enjoy uh, masochists masochists or it's not Match one of those made things, in heaven right right it's not one of those things where right yeah God's a sadist because he enjoys putting his son through pain and we're masochists because we enjoy it, it, it's not that at all it's it's one of those things where. Suffering is a yeah. It's a good gut check because if you're like, for instance, with,
1: it's the job description. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: And what, what I was going to say was, so for us with the street ministry, so we just recently we've talked. I don't. I've, I mentioned this on our uh, our latest um, after action review on our devotional page on our website. But we recently we've been doing street ministry where. Vicar Nick and Pastor Tim, one of the guys that has not been on this podcast, but is still one of our one of our staff members, and Paul, Paul, they the three of them and a couple of our other folks, they go out to the park. That's about two miles, three miles away from from our main campus. Uh, in In the neighborhood, they go to the park, Clark Park, and they have worship. And we've been averaging what anywhere from. Eight, eight to uh, eight to twelve on average, right? Eight to yeah, eight, sometimes yeah, as Low as four. Eight to twelve on eight to twelve on average. People yeah. that, that will come kind of come in and out of, of, of the park, and and that's great. But uh, one of the you know we talk about suffering being a, kind of a gut check, and while I was really thinking about this, one of the reasons that I think that we can that the three of us can confidently say God wants us to have a presence in the park is because last week our trailer was stolen from St. Stephen. Somebody cut so the... Lo- I'm going to give... There's two reasons. Yeah, yeah.
1: Satanic attack. Mm-hmm. Okay, and?
0: Yeah, so the, the the trailer was stolen. Lock was cut. Everything was taken from from the lot. Professionally. Professionally, yes. Very planned out. Um, these guys are pros when it comes to stealing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of merchandise. But we get to the park on that Sunday without a trailer, without a cross, without chairs, without tables. It sounds like... Uh, <laughs> Sounds like how the Grinch stole Christmas. Basically naked. Right? We got to, you guys. got to the park, and
2: we had a record number of people there to, yeah, to worship and to receive uh, the good news. Yeah, and we du- had, yeah almost around 20. double 20.
0: double what our what the average yeah. what the average attendance had been. So around we're like, 20. like that whole thing where we're suffering because. So one of the questions happens, I asked
1: you when my text was. Like three questions one of them was is this a sign from god stop yeah it's not it no <laughs> no not a sign from god to stop is this a, is this an attack from satan because yeah this is what god wants us to be doing uh, apparently so yes and it, by it, the it, attendance right and it
0: seemed yes it seemed to be one of those things where third was question like, was why me but never why mind me right <laughs> but you look at things like that. So if you know if you're if you're listening to this and you happen to you know be a part of your congregation where you're starting a new ministry or you're a pastor and you're and you're wondering why you're suffering, um, that could it's very likely that the reason that you're suffering is because it's exactly where you're supposed to be. You look at the disciples. You look at Jesus himself. You look at martyrs throughout Christian history. In the church itself, I mean, this is suffering is a part of Christianity. And Bonhoeffer will actually he actually says in the in the um, cost of discipleship that suffering is actually a badge of honor that is to be worn by the disciples of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's not to be one of those things where you say woe is me. You you look at and you say yes, I am crucified with Christ. And sorry, damn it, I'm going to be resurrected with Christ because I know full well what this suffering means for me. And and I can say with full confidence and rejoice, as James says, in our sufferings. That's really what the theology of the cross is about: is still being able to to call a citizen to to know God in the suffering, and still be willing to rejoice in it because you are suffering. I mean, Paul talks about this. Now, in Philippians, right? Philippians four, mm-hmm. talk about it. In, in when he's in prison, he says, "Rejoice with, always." I'll yeah, say it with again. With the suffering
1: comes joy, right. companionship, fellowship, but it's never without suffering. Right. What's right. he say about mother, brother? Jesus say about, they're all going to come against you, but with them comes what? Like a, I'm paraphrasing, a new family, new, new brothers, family. new yep. sisters, new yep. yep.
0: Which is which is the church? which is the which church? Is the church. So. It's and, and a that's, heavy paraphrase,
1: but <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah we, we could do a couple podcasts about uh, about that. Text. So
1: Jesus, we talked about this this morning in Bible class, senior Bible class. You know, we were talking about Moses asking God to let him see His glory. His Jesus disciples said, basically, "Show us the Father." Mm-hmm. What did Jesus say?
2: Don't you know me? (laughs) Don't (laughs) Don't you know me? (laughs) me? Haven't you been listening?
1: (laughs) Don't you know me? This dirty smelling guy walking next to you, the guy with blisters, the guy's been telling you, yeah, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. (laughs) I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be dead, and then I'm going to rise. We cannot. He's saying, my opinion, he's saying, you cannot know the Father apart from Me, mm-hmm. and this is who I am. I am the Suffering Christ. Yes, I am the, the Christ royal, crucified. The
0: royal sufferer.
1: I am okay. the Christ that will rise. But you know, again, my pet peeve is His resurrection didn't save me.
0: Right. Well, you, well, you can't have a resurrected Christ without a dead yeah. Christ first.
1: So another way to say that I'm still turning theology of the cross. All of history, theological history and real history funnels down to one point, Calvary, and all salvation history really erupts from that one point um, because when Jesus says it's finished, actually, yes, it's finished, but it's also what? The beginning. The beginning. The beginning of the church.
0: Well, that's why you mentioned this. I think it was...
1: So we talked about Barth saying, yeah, well, the cross is something we have to go by really quick. <laughs> right, don't look. <laughs> Ignore, don't look at it. Yeah. It's, it's Let's gross. talk about it's the resurrected,
0: gross. glorified yeah. Christ. It's gross. It's ugly. I don't want to look at it. Yeah. Who? Where were we talking about? Um, where were we talking about the curtain being torn in two? Was that you last week, or was that a? Where, where where I don't remember where we were. Do you remember where we were yeah, when we were talking we talked about, about that last week? We talked about uh, it, and I and it it brought me up with with something that I had, I had heard from a, from a really good friend of mine, who had talked about how, uh, the that that meaning of that temple of the of the temple curtain being torn. I, I think it was your Bible study yeah, last last Thursday. Yeah, we're talking about Melchizedek and the and Jesus being of a of an even even more you know even more of a high priesthood than than and and. Um, we, we ended up talking about the, you were talking about the high place and the, uh, the holy, the holy of holies, and and how that that temple, the the curtain was torn in two, signifying that you know we now have access to God the Father through Christ's death and soon to be resurrection. And so,
1: my little hobby horse is: When did that happen? At the crucifixion. At the crucifixion, right? Not resurrection, right? The crucifixion,
0: right? Absolutely. So. Uh, right, the all the all, all the dead bodies rise on the uh, yeah. when when the earthquake happens and the stone is rolled away. But um, the reason I bring that up is because you can look at that the tearing of the temple twofold. You've got us having access to the Father, but like you said, it's also the beginning because it's God now promising to dwell amongst us he has been dwelling amongst us in in christ jesus right i mean that's the word of god the logos tabernacling around us that's what the that's what those those words mean but it's 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 uh it's god leaving the holy of holies and now being 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 within in and within us and working through us and that's That all happens on account of the cross. Without the cross, that does not happen. You do not get to experience the things that you are experiencing without Christ on the cross. So you take away Christ on the cross, you're
1: still in our sins.
0: You're still in your sin. So let's and you have nothing.
1: That reminds me of Mel Gibson. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm bringing up Mel Gibson. Passion of the Christ. Mel Gibson. There were lots of Braveheart. There were a lot. Well, that too. I love that movie. <laughs> that might be because I'm Scottish and you're English. But anyway. Probably 90%. I watched him hack down all those English, and I really love that part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's the part where he's talking to his mother. We've talked about this before. And he looks at her and says, out of the Gospels. It's not in the Gospels, right? It's in Revelation. I am making all things new. Yep. That's what I mean by that point at He dies, all things change. Not on Easter. His death is the beginning of all things being made new. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the heart. It doesn't mean we as Christians don't celebrate the ascension and the resurrection. Because we do. Yeah. And 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 they're essential temples of our faith. Or the second coming. It's just we cannot allow ourselves to lose the perspective of what's authentic, what's real. And that's the theology of the cross. Yeah. What I, I love,
0: what I love, what uh, the author uh, says in this book, as he's talking about proper knowledge of God and and the way that we view God, he says that what we see at the cross, what we see displayed on the cross, is a God of love, a God who desires the salvation of mankind. This is on page ninety one. It is a knowledge based on relationship, right? That's a That seems to be a, a, a big-time word in modern-day Christianity. It's my relationship with with God, my mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus. right? So what you see at the cross is the knowledge based on relationship in which God comes to us and identifies with us. I just had this conversation yesterday with, with somebody. The reason that God can sympathize with you and knows what you are feeling is because he felt it. And where does he feel this utmostly? At the cross, he feels this the most. It begins at, the, at the, cross. the
1: incarnation, but it terminates at the right. cross. Right? Yeah,
0: and and this is and then he says, on the cross we see at God at work for us. You don't see, you certainly see God at work in other ways, but really, Luther will talk about those. You know, those two words, "for you" or "for us." Those are two of the most important words in, in all of Scripture. This has all been done for you. And again, you get back to the, to the cross, given and shed
1: for you, yes. broken for you. Go yes,
0: ahead. all of this is done for you, and you cannot have the ascension, you cannot have the resurrection, you cannot have the second coming if you do not have the death.
1: You can have all those things, but they're meaningless.
0: Yes, yeah. correct, and, and and that's why that's why the, the humanity of Christ. All, like I mean, we we could literally spend an entire year talking about why the incarnation of Jesus is important. This is why it's important, because Jesus coming and assuming our human flesh, going to the cross, taking on our sin, and dying, the fact that God dies, there's not another quote-unquote God in the universe that would do that for right. for their perspective religion, right? You, the, Buddha's not dying for you. So, um, so your God's aren't dying for Ron. For
1: you. Sorry, Ron. Well, that's twice you've that you've mentioned Ron wow. because he says we repeat ourselves. So, <laughs> yeah, I always think theology of glory. Here's my home congregation, unnamed. We rent the theater to watch the Passion of the Christ. I watch them get their buttered popcorn and slurpees, <laughs> right. And go in and sit down, and I'm thinking. What in the name of God do they think they're going to see? And I'm pretty sure by halfway through the movie, the popcorn was on the floor. Yeah, oh. no, we experienced that too when the Passion first came out.
0: Oh, we're all going to go to the movie theater and watch.
1: The it's time. just another event. Yeah. Oh my God, you're gutted by it. Yeah, you're halfway. You're halfway through
0: the movie, and you got you got grown men sobbing.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it's not actually the the narrative of the Passion of the Christ is more about a vision of. Of a Catholic saint, uh, something of Bingen. I can't remember her first name. Then actual gospels. So there's lots of stuff in there that, we, if you read your gospels, you'd say, "Where'd that come from?" Mm. But when you watch what he suffered and endured for you, I mean, it guts you. Yeah. And you know, if I had a, if I had had a grape slushy and butter, I'd be vomiting about halfway through the um, the. Yeah. the well, and also wondering the whipping.
0: Yeah, uh, you look at that, and you and and to even see the passion of the Christ, and you watch the movie, and you see what Jesus. What Jim my, my Jim, point, my Jim point? was that Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah, you see yeah. what G, what Jim Caviesel goes through. Yeah, and, and you, even and you, as an actor, he went through heck. right. Oh yeah, double pneumonia, getting struck by lightning when he's on the cross. But then, you, but then you read I like I, the
1: whoops, they actually hit me with a whip. Right, right,
0: exactly. But then, but then you read Isaiah and you read that he's actually beaten beyond, that, that yep. nobody even recognized him. Do yep. you understand how much blood and how deformed this man's face would have been for you to not even recognize who he was? Like, what? what is depicted in the Passion of the Christ is not even close to what Jesus actually underwent for us. I know. And it's still moving people to tears, myself included
1: i wanted to link theology of glory to the attitude of these were lcms lutherans mm-hmm. going to the theater alone mm-hmm. eating their pot pu- butter pot <laughs> what what did they understand they were going to see we're going to go this watch, is, we're going to go watch our victory get won yeah this is not jeffrey hunter being crucified in hollywood this was yeah I, it's nowhere near what the real thing was, but it's close enough to make me want to throw up. Yes. Um, and yeah. I'm afraid so, in our minds we want to we want the theology of glory, and we do not want no. the theology of the cross.
0: Everybody wants the resurrected Jesus. Nobody wants the crucified right. Jesus. Well, a, we can
1: have him with the little holes in his hands right. on, on Easter, but we don't want to see that bloody mess. No. So but one without, final question. I, what happened? My final question. We okay. can talk forever right yeah what happens when you actually preach the theology of the cross opposition would be opposition a polite yeah polite word opposition
0: yes because nobody wants to be convicted of their sin nobody wants to be reminded that
1: that christ actually suffered right and died for them
0: right or and nobody wants to be told that hey by the way you're the reason that he's there he's on the cross because of you He's on the cross because you don't keep the law. He's on the cross because you don't love your neighbor. He's on the cross because you gossip. He's on the cross because you kill. He's on the cross because you don't honor your mother and father. Because you because you lie. He's he's on the cross because you covet and you're jealous and you commit adultery.
1: That's why daughter, he's on, I'm a good person. How can you say that? He's on the cross because I'm a good of you. citizen, I vote right. I right. pay my taxes, sort of. Right. How can you say these things about
0: right. me? Right, right, right. right.
1: And and yet Jesus still says, "Well,
0: to I just I just did you one of those things <laughs> because man, we've been we've all of us have been together for a long time, um, but you you, you you nobody likes to be told, hey, that guy that dies, his blood's on your hands, but yet it's Pilate, right?" No, the high priest say high that. High priest, yeah. The high priest say, "May his the, blood." The only blood line be on in us. Mel Gibson's
1: movie that was in the native language yes. that was not translated uh-huh. may was his, when they said, "May his may blood, his be, blood
0: on us. be on us." And I'm thinking that when they said that, God's going, "Yep," because that's exactly what's going to save you
1: in a positive sense. Yes, yes,
0: yes. yes. May his blood be on our hands, and God says, right, "Yes." Well, in that my, case, I
1: would say, "Let it be on me too." Yes,
0: yeah, please. Please allow it to be on me, yeah. God, even me. So that uh, that just about does it for us today. As we are indeed up against it. If you haven't had a, a had a chance yet uh, to head over to our website www.fogdetroit.com, we certainly encourage you to do that. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, if you want to know more about the theology of the cross, I know we we tried to pack it in, but. Man, we could talk for a long time about this because this really is the the essential. This is the essential part of our faith. The, the cross alone is our theology, as Luther would say. And of course, we've talked about this at length. Bonhoeffer preaching the theology of the cross. You cannot know God apart from the suffering of Jesus on the cross, and that's essentially why why we do this podcast. Why we preach Christ to be crucified and he does all of this for you. So have a great week, everybody. We will talk with you all next time. Next week, we're going to be diving into Bonhoeffer's university studies. That Ooh. could be fun.
1: Let us, Yeah, let's just say hmm, he wasn't afraid of people in higher status than him. Yes. And he maybe spoke the truth to power, as I say. Maybe
0: that could be a lesson for all of us, yeah. but I digress. Yeah. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk with you all next time if no one has told you yet. God loves you, and so do we. Take care.